This is the What Happened Today podcast, your daily history podcast that tells you what happened on this day in history. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and what happened today, October 16th in 1793, Marie Antoinette, the former Queen of France and Navarre, was executed by a guillotine at Place de la Révolution in Paris. The execution of Marie Antoinette is, in many ways, the most radical thing the French Revolution saw. It was one thing, as had happened in January of 1793, for the former king to be executed for treason against the nation. But to then say his now widow? Especially in a system like France's Ancien Regime, where Marie Antoinette was influential politically, but she held no official real power. But in some ways, what it really showed was the hatred towards the Bourbon dynasty, the hatred towards the Ancien Regime, and the hatred towards the individual figures of Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette. By 1793, Marie Antoinette was probably already well past the time when she could reasonably be described as the young princess who had first come to Versailles. She was a queen at that point since 1774. And for the nearly two decades that she had been in France, her world had not only changed, but the entire way of life she lived was disappearing. Marie Antoinette was actually an Austrian princess. Born as the Archduchess of Austria in 1755, she was the next-to-last child of Francis I, Holy Roman Emperor, and his wife Empress Maria Theresa. She grew up at the Austrian court, being well-cared for and well-educated, but noticeably deficient in some areas. She did not speak even her native German that well, and as was required of most princesses, struggled with foreign languages. But it turned out as she entered her teens that she was fantastic at some of the courtly manners. People commented a lot on her posture and noted that she was a fantastic dancer. And so at the age of 14, Archduchess Maria Antonia of Austria married Louis Auguste, who was the heir apparent or Dauphin to the French throne. He was actually the grandson of the reigning monarch, Louis XV, as his father had died, putting him in an elevated position because his grandfather had lived so long. The teenage prince now had what seemed to be the ideal marriage in a lot of ways for a man of his position. The marriage between a French prince and an Austrian princess meant that an alliance between the two countries was formed. Not only that, but Louis Auguste now had the kind of woman who was trained entirely to be a queen. At the same time, there were problems. Two awkward teenagers who had basically just been groomed to be royalty had trouble in their marriage initially. Particularly, they had trouble conceiving, which was the one job of a royal couple. They needed an heir. But the newly styled Marie Antoinette began to enjoy her life at the Palace of Versailles. She learned the manners there. She became close with her in-laws. And perhaps most notably became beloved by the French people. Here they had a queen who seemed interesting and lively, someone who was good for the nation. And then, after she began having children in the early 1780s, she really seemed to be more popular than her husband, who, having officially become Louis XVI in 1774, was not necessarily showing himself to be a great king yet. And then 1789 happened, leading to the French Revolution, there were a series of scandals based around finances that seemed to reflect the fact that the French state had no money. Some of this was also expensive wars, other sort of programs 
And in trying to solve these reforms first, Marie Antoinette became more involved in politics. She began to pick favorites among the king's chief ministers. Most notably, she would be responsible for the release of Jacques Necker, a reformer as finance minister. And then she was also influential in bringing him back in the late 1780s, just trying to get something done. And so when in 1789, first her husband called for the Etat General, basically the Parliament of France, to come together with a new structure, giving more power to everyday people, Marie Antoinette's entire life would change. In fact, the beginning of 1789 was problematic for Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette, mostly because it started not with politics, but with personal problems. Their seven-year-old son and heir to the throne, Louis-Joseph, died of tuberculosis on June 4th, 1789. A little over a month later, the French Revolution would begin in earnest with the storming of the Bastille. The popular uprising that began to take place in the summer of 1789 actually began just with trying to make Louis a more constitutional monarch, trying to get reforms passed, saying that the National Assembly that had now gathered would not break up. And in this, Marie Antoinette became perhaps the most hated symbol of everything that was wrong with the monarchy. Leading to 1789, she was caught in many of the scandals, most notably what was known as the Diamond Necklace Affair, where someone pretending to Marie Antoinette had actually swindled a jeweler. On the other hand, she wasn't directly involved and probably would not have done such a ridiculous stunt. But the idea of Marie Antoinette as a profligate spender and someone wasting the nation's money was what really stuck. She was called Madame Deficit, and she was the perfect person. First, as an Austrian princess, no one could really trust that she was truly working with the French nation's best interest in mind. Second, and more importantly, she really did spend lavishly. She would redecorate parts of the palaces that she and her family would be in. At Versailles, already a gaudy overwrought complex, she had a little farm built where she would pretend to be a milkmaid. And most striking of all, she seemed to be indifferent to what everyday people really wanted. Initially in 1789, the royal family was moved from Versailles into the center of Paris to stay at the Tuileries Palace. There, they were effectively under house arrest, although the king was still the king and the royal family was still treated as a royal family, one on lockdown, one being monitored, but also held in respect. This changed in June of 1791 when the royal family attempted to flee the nation. This came after a series of reforms that not only gave more power to various forms of government outside of the king, but also had made him king of the French instead of king of France. It was a small change in many ways, but it said, you rule the French people. The other hand, being queen of the French meant less to Marie Antoinette. And as she tried to take her family to the safety of her native Austria, where her brother was ruling, seemed to blow up anyone's sympathy for the royal family. They would be captured at Varennes on their way out meaning really they didn't get very far, and now were absolutely despised. War was declared against Austria, and Louis XVI began to get the nickname Monsieur Veto because he would veto any restrictions to his power. In the legislative assembly that had been convened, it appeared first that radical Republicans were outnumbered. It was the actions of the king and queen that turned them. And so by August 10th, 1792, the monarchy was abolished. At this point, Louis XVI was separated from his family, who were now being held at the temple, a separate prison. And on September 21st in 1792, the monarchy was officially declared dead and the French Republic was inaugurated. Now they were no longer Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette, king and queen of 
the French. They were now simply the Capets, using the old royal house name. In December, Louis XVI went on trial. He was found guilty of harming the nation through his profligate spending and refusal to acknowledge the people. And on January 15, 1793, with a vote that needed one vote to go the other way, he was officially condemned to death, which would happen on January 21st. At this point, Marie Antoinette was still with her children in prison, and she became more and more a target. In some ways, the question of Marie Antoinette's execution seems to be not what the charges were, or even whether she was guilty of all of them, but why they would target Marie Antoinette in the first place. Her influence was over her husband. He was now dead, having had his head chopped off like many other enemies of the revolution. What could her influence be in a republic? In fact, it was seen that if she was held in prison, this would just arouse the anger of the Austrians, who were steadily beating the French on the battlefield. And so there was talk about exchanging her for French prisoners of war, talk about sending her elsewhere, or just acknowledging that now that there was no monarchy, maybe she was not as dangerous as they thought. But actually, it was her continued imprisonment that showed some of the danger. She was able to bribe some guards to get some communications out, and so she was able to know what was going on. It did seem that the Austrians wanted to pluck her out, and that she was fully willing to support any kind of efforts by her Bourbon relatives to restore the throne to the Bourbon dynasty and put her young son on the throne as Louis XVII. However, the eight-year-old Louis was taken from her and turned on her, and upon giving some statements, Marie Antoinette was moved to the Conciergerie on August 1st. The Conciergerie was a much smaller prison in the very heart of Paris on Ile de la Cité across from Notre Dame. And it was where people were sent almost in preparation of their execution during what now was becoming the Reign of Terror, in which various enemies of the French Republic were tried and executed. By the time Marie Antoinette went on trial at the Revolutionary Tribunal on October 14, 1793, there was a swirling mass of allegations. Her son had been forced to say that they had committed incest together. This was seen as ridiculous by many people. But the other charges levied against Marie Antoinette were not necessarily stretching it very far. It was said that she had sent money to Austria, ruining the treasury, that she had helped orchestrate a massacre of National Guardsmen, and saying, as she did often, that her son was now King of France. She was a profligate spender. She was seeking the help of her brother in Austria, and she did view her son as the rightful king. In 1793, that probably would have been enough, but there was more. Marie Antoinette was not just someone who had done specific actions against the French people. She was the very symbol of the Ancien Regime. Although she was not actually French, she lived in Versailles. She lived almost a fantasy life, and yet also seemed to constantly be critical of anyone who was not part of the nobility, and even most of them. She did spend a great deal of treasury money. Actually, funneling money to Austria was a bit ridiculous, but she had been in constant contact with various Austrians and possibly let slip her knowledge of certain military secrets. She was actively trying to get rid of the Republic. Of course, the Republic had gotten rid of her husband, and the very notion of royalty in which she was born into. And they were trying to harm her children. And so on October 16th, early in the day, she was declared guilty of depleting the national treasury, conspiring against the security of the state, and high treason. The treason charge is what sent her to the guillotine. And she was sent that day. It was a shock. Some people thought it would be life imprisonment or 
Her status as a valued prisoner would keep her alive even if the charges were brought. But she was told she needed to change into a white dress and then be bound. She was able to get off a letter to her sister-in-law that her sister-in-law never saw. But she said that she remained a Catholic, that she still loved her children. And then she was taken in an open cart from a conciergerie to Place de la Révolution. It took an hour. People lined the streets and she was open to abuse. And then shortly after noon, she ascended the scaffold. Her very final words were an apology to her executioner, Henri Sanson, whose foot she had stepped on. She calmly lay her head on the guillotine and was executed, her body placed in an unmarked grave. There were many steps in the French Revolution which began a brand new process, the most radical of which was probably getting rid of the king. But this merely said, this is a republic. Killing the king, a regicide, although through completely legal means inside of a republic, really followed on from that. And as much as there was an outrage by many monarchs, notably, there was an understanding that that would happen in a revolution. But the fate of Marie Antoinette seemed altogether different. Being an Austrian princess did not protect her. Being just the queen did not protect her. In fact, it would be her children, the most important thing to her, that would have to turn on her first. And so the French Revolution took the step of first declaring that Marie Antoinette was, in fact, a traitor, and then executing her for it, which is what happened today, October 16th in 1793. That will do it for today's episode, but as always, please check back in tomorrow for a brand new episode because we are a daily history podcast, and we do put out a new episode each and every day. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are listening to us on either iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe to this channel, leave a rating and leave a review because those are the ways you can help us to get onto charts and be heard by brand new listeners. You can also help us out a bit more directly by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash productive leisure and becoming one of our patrons. At Patreon, patrons give small monthly contributions to support ongoing creative work like a podcast network. So if you want to help us to develop and grow, please go to patreon.com slash productive leisure and become one of our patrons today. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening and see you tomorrow.